Good morning, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I mean, it's morning, my as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Arsenal take on Fulham at the Emirates, and then we do take on tomorrow um, United the Emirates. But first, you know, going against Fulham, I think, you know, we spoke last week and I said, go there, you know, kind of try to solidify their own form. We've conceded, you know, way too many goals at home, too many early goals, um, which, which kind of almost put you on the back foot from the start. I mean, last season, we yeah. conceded more than two goals against Southampton, Leicester, Liverpool, Man United, Man City. Um, you know, the list goes on. I mean, it's, it's I don't know, it's quite um, shocking. And I was hoping, you know, this season, we can make ourselves more solid at the back, which means you need to put less pressure on yourself. Yeah, I mean, there's a little uh, side piece that I've actually got in this part of the podcast, which we can still discuss, like, you know, during the course of the, the, the edition. Um, my take was, like, you know, um, not going to lie, but I mean, for me, going into this game, when I saw Arteta put again that same sort of um, squad out that, that, that's been kind of annoying us, <clears throat> and I was just thinking to myself, look, you... <laughs> I was like, why are you thinking with the like say what the like a, say what was a, a winning formation and, and tactic? And I mean for me now seeing this this tactic that he's doing now, using Thomas Party as the right back and 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 almost like also trying to accommodate Kai Havertz into this, the central midfield. And I mean for me it was it's almost like a case of a, a kinds of a kind of stunts us from you know all natural fluidity when we play football. There's no zip or pace to our game nowadays. Because, like, I mean, I think our game was, or our, our way of football was actually faster in the States than now. And, I mean, I, I just think now, it's like, we are the days where we now, you know, blew the opposition away. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, we, we must just, um, like, let's say we face a Liverpool or a City, that is the, the sort of yardstick we must go by and whatever, no. But, I mean, I'm just uh, thinking, like, a, a team like, like, even like Forest or Palace, that those games shouldn't have been close even the other day. But I mean, it was like yeah. just through what with this new thing that he's trying. It, it's uh, I mean, I, I look. I ain't even saying this, but I mean, sometimes I'm just wondering. You know, Mikel, is this probably going to be your sword that you're going to fall on if you're not going to try to take the opinions from other people? Because look, I'm not saying you must listen to every football fan around, but I mean, surely if. If, like, say, a 90 or something of the fan base is saying, look, they're not really happy with what they're seeing. And then you can see the players also, there's, like, mixed feelings amongst the, the, the players also. And yet you're almost like the only one kind kind of holding up that flag that, you know, this is going to work. So, I mean, look, maybe we are racing to judgment, but, I mean, from, from what I've seen so far, there's nothing that positive I've seen of it. There's no, I know you're still getting to the game, but there's yeah. no excitement around how we're playing at the moment. You know, like like last season, I'll, I'll go back to it. That preseason, building up to the season, you saw something very different to what we've been seeing previous in previous seasons. We saw, and that kind of um, proceeded almost into the um, the new season that we had. And you know, we were like an airplane, almost you know, yeah. getting on that runway, getting ready to take off. And now this season, like. The preseason, I don't know how you felt, but it, it wasn't that same type of feeling you had last season. Yeah. Like going into the season. And it's almost like, you know, that airplane's now almost, you know, almost hitting the ground before you're landing and you're hitting that kind of that jerk, jerk, jerk. Because I don't see any 
anything positive just yet. Not not in a bad way, like oh yeah, I'm overreacting. But like you're looking at the performance, and you're not like 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 last season this time when we were taking United on at Old Trafford. Even as the result didn't go our way, you were licking your lips because of the way we were playing, the fluidity, yeah. just everything. And now, like you see, a Thomas party like um playing as a right back, which you can see is clearly uncomfortable with. Like he's yeah. not used to getting that ball and having that touchline so close to him. He likes having the ball at 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 the, like you know with. Even though it might be a bit more crowded in the middle of the park, but that way he's more comfortable. And the fact that you have Declan Rice and Thomas Party, two probably, I'm not saying they're the two best intimate, but if they probably in the top five, top six midfielders you would have chosen, you know, to have in your side, and yet, you know, we're not using them to our advantage. Yeah, and I mean, like, as you go down into the game, first minute, the game starts, also starts somehow. Like, you know, like a rugby team would, um, like, pass the ball to Rams. <laughs> and he, like, hoofs the ball, like, 60, 70 yards forward. And I mean, by the time the ball, then, of course, gets um, won, and then they, they start playing back, Bukayo Saka, he ends up doing a, I find a very ridiculous back pass. And now you must also remember, with this whole sort of Arteta's new style of, or brand of football, the likes of Thomas Party, the minute the ball starts coming back, he's already starting to drift himself into the middle of the park. And by the time Saka plays that back pass, it's like into no man's land. Because, I mean, he ends up playing a, like a blind back pass. The ball, of course, falls short in that, in the, that, that zone that's now free from Party. Yeah, he just vacated. And then by that time, Pereira ends up intercepting the ball. And now, of course, now it's another, the domino effect starts because now... Ramsdale is not in position because he's backpedaling. And by the time Pereira like, lines up, I mean, even though he scuffed his shot bad, because you can see that was not his original planned shot. Yeah, it wasn't. He scuffed it. It ends up still looping uh, Ramsdale and Fulham go 1-0 up. I was pissed off, I'm telling you. Like, so early on in the game, deja vu. And the fact that Ramsdale should have done, I mean, I know he, he probably didn't anticipate it, but that, that shot was so weakly taken, like, you could see he scuffed it and he still managed to score. Yeah. I was like, oh, here we go again. Like, we just spoke about not conceding it, though. And it's like we're making unnecessary records even because, I mean, God, that was probably the earliest goal that Fulham have ever scored at the Emirates. Then you look at that, that goal of, of Bournemouth, it was, what, nine seconds something? Then you look and at Southampton. Southampton was also uh, under 30 seconds or whatever. I mean, don't you see? I mean, it's almost like I think Gunner Blog mentioned the other day where he said, "Why don't they just stop trying this fast kickoff? They're trying every time. Was just failing every time." It's almost like yes. he used to say with with um with Kosciolny back in the day. We used to just watch. They're gonna kick over. They're gonna give it to Kosciolny, and he's just gonna boot it either into touch or side to the goal. <laughs> and then it's like. When you watch the matches together, and, just, dee, 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 and then it happens just exactly the way you called. And for me, this is the same way it's playing out now with this this, this ploy, because it's like falling to the. Rather just play a game of position than if you want to now uh, play a fast yeah. game. Uh, but okay, we go for fourth minute. Also, start clicking slowly into gear. Um, uh, Martinelli gets the Odegaard pass, and then of course it's fly from outside the box. 
But I mean, it's like, you know, Natalie misses the, the Fulham goal. Then 11th minute, Charles missed again by Kai Havertz uh, to bring at his level. But uh, sometimes it's not like he has. I don't know, maybe it's the, the mindset of the player at the moment, but it's not like he's, he's second and third guessing himself every time. With yeah, me. 100%. And then 18th minute, Tom's party robs Luki of the ball, drives us forward, and of course he starts feeding the ball to Trossard, who lays off a, a nice ball to Martinelli. And I mean, of course, Higgins shoots straight into Leno's hands. Then the uh, 22nd minute, the game starts losing total structure because, I mean... If you think of it, you're having a so high-profile high game. And by the 22nd minute, the game is almost like a basketball game because now all of a sudden, yeah. Fulham is attacking, we're attacking. And then, I mean, Arsenal starts, you know, like playing way more open football, allowing, you know, Fulham now, uh, the rain there at the Emirates pitch. Uh, White ends up failing to clear a ball in the Arsenal box. Jimenez ends up, you know, conjuring up an acrobatic kick. I mean, I didn't know oh, yeah. that weird flick that he did. But they managed to beat Ramsdale or leave him flat-footed and just missed the goal. Yeah, that was quite nerve-wracking. I thought, you know, this could be a day where we lose at home because, as we were, like you said, we were so open and now we have to chase the game and everything's out the window and it just takes, like, you know, Fulham one chance and they almost, you know, go two up. And, I mean, the way Fulham were defending was really good that Paulinho was, you know, playing his socks off in that middle of the park and... I always just say, like, oh, oh, like since you mentioned him that one time we were playing Fulham away from home and you said he's not playing, it's a big plus for us. And now when you're like, ever, ever since then, like, I watch him play, he's very, like, you know, he does the basics good, but he's almost, like, wins the ball every time for his team. Yeah. The entity, uh, first, when it throws out, uh, loops a fantastic cross for Saka. And I mean, it was more easy to score than miss, and he ends up, Heading the ball over, all he could have done is just not the ball over. Yeah, I know the chances were coming thick and fast for us. Now, this thing that, you know, by not putting your chances away, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, and I mean, the gun is going into the break with uh, like the host being 1-0 down. So, we go to the second half, Trossard ends up making way for Nketiah. But, I mean, funny enough, I fully agreed with that sub because... Yes, me as well. I mean, you know, like we both big fans of Trossard, but for me, it's like he had nothing going really for him. Because, and as I don't know if he got also banged once in the back, and almost like everything just slowed down with him after that. I don't know. Also, like you know, if it's and like his confidence is is he hasn't he's he's been brilliant, but he hasn't been that same player almost since that time. You know, when he was playing that that form of games where he was doing really well, and I think they just took him out for issues. Yeah. It feels like he's never eat that, 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 that consistency. I don't know if it's a mental thing also, you know. No matter what happens, he's going to start Havertz or he wants to start this one or this one over me. Because even, you know, Martinelli at the moment hasn't been that same Martinelli of last season. Yeah. No, but I mean, look, my thing with, with, with Trossard is he does away with a lot of damage when you give him like 20, 25 minutes to come on. I mean, of course, yeah, we would like him to say start, but I mean... Whenever he started, it's almost like very underwhelming. But when he comes on with his cameos, I mean, it's like you end up talking about the days or weeks after about it. Yeah, that's true. If only Atletico can find a way to bring out that for 90 minutes. But I think he's usually not getting any younger at the moment, Trossard. <laughs> then, 52nd minute, David ends up giving the ball away and allows uh, Fulham to go on a full power uh, counter attack break. 
That's that, that's when I actually got got fed up with Havertz. I think I lost my cool there. And that's when he got that simple pass, and then he tried a one touch pass back, and then he just gave it straight to Fulham to go run at us. Yeah, man, they got Dover. Uh, was it the Reed? He ends up cutting inside, but uh, fires wide. Then 56th minute, also make the double substitution. Out goes Havertz and Party. On comes Fabio Vieira and Zinchenko, and also going to a more traditional defensive line. Yeah, I'll be honest with you here, when I, when I saw him bringing um, party off, and I was taking party off, and because and, 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 he's probably a, a good player to have in a situation like this, and okay, how much off, you know, but for bringing the error on, I was like, I don't know what the test is doing. I even told my wife, like, I don't know what the test is doing. Like, you know, this is a silly substitution. And she said, there's a reason why you're not in his job and, and, and you're here <laughs> watching. And I'm like, I don't understand bringing Vieira on. Like, what's he going to do? Like, I don't understand the substitution because I think we had, was it Asus on the bench? And then there's probably more attacking options. But I'm like, Vieira, you know, I mean, how he's been of, you know, Wait, if you look at last season's form. Like, when, when he came on, I was like, oh, God, here's this boy that they're going to bump off the, the board. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know, maybe he's, he's flexed or something, but holy shit. I mean, it was like watching a, a you know, a, 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 a Looks like a rejuvenated player because, I mean, you could just, like see the minute he came on the field, he had already that air, like you know, of confidence uh, the way he yeah. was running across the pitch. And I mean, his impact was almost like close to immediate because I mean, that 67th minute he ends up bursting into the box. And I mean, he's coming in at such pace by the time Tete puts out a leg, I mean, he's gone already and ends up clipping uh, Vieira and also win a penalty. Stonewall penalty, like that's probably one of the most confident penalty shouts, you know, in a long time. Like you know, when I, I saw it because yeah. like, at this point I was at the edge of edge of the seat now because of you know nerves trying to get the equalizer. But the moment um, he got it, and he went down, I like got up and shouted, "Penalty! This is a Stonewall penalty!" I think in VAR was still like that. Check is it um, uh, offside? Is there a foul? You know, it just. You know, we are odd being we are it's, odd, but it's true what you said now. At least one like the most traditional type of stone open notice you can get that. Just when you just had <laughs> seconds too fast and you had defenders coming in like sliding and he like I mean not like he wants to be malicious or anything, but just through that 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 slowness of him, the quickness of error, he ends up just bundling him over. Yes, and and uh, they might nerves are also a bit shot because Pekayo Saka, then you know, I see that he's taking it and <laughs> You know, his penalties of late, you know, haven't, you know, been as confident. And I'm thinking, oh, Leno knows, you know, Leno knows you. Leno knows where you're going to put the ball. Ah, oh, what if he misses this penalty? And then, like, it was taking very long to, to get to take the penalty. Yeah, but I mean, he managed to get it, like, you know, quite well. But I think it's also like what I noticed was even in that, in the, in the one of the, not the tours now, but, in that one match close to the when the, when the season started, the could be community shield. He's not trying to come like half smash the ball or murder the ball into the net. Now it's more like but more finesse finish, like when he's doing it. Yeah, I know, but brilliant goal by him. I think that he's second of the season already. And you know, one one to Arsenal, and then I was like, yo, get the ball out of the net. I want like, you know, get that second goal because but then, you know, after that goal, they brought in Adama Traore, and I think, you know, my heart was in my throat as well, but because 
You know, you just know what he can do, especially with us pushing for a winner now. Yeah. Um, then in the second minute, uh, Bassi ends up uh, getting involved with Saka in the, in the Fulham box. He ends up still laying in distress on the pitch. Arsenal keep on playing. And then Vieira was, I mean, you know, the unsung hero so far on the day ends up slinging a, a whoop a cross from on the, the side flank. And I mean, it was such a perfect timing that all it took was Eddie to go in from the back post and stab the ball on 2 1 Arsenal. What a turnaround. Yeah, what's the turnaround? You know, kind of got me off the edge of my seat to celebrate the goal and just said now, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking get one more because, you know, this is when you try to. You just sit back and, and, and hope for the basis when you know you invite that necessary pressure. Yeah. Because I I mean I really thought they were gonna bolt from then. I mean for me 83rd minute with Fulham throwing everything forward and Arsenal, you know, nicking the ball off and going on a counter-attack break. And by the time Bassett took down uh Nketi with a clumsy foul for, for his second yellow and, and his marching orders, I thought to myself, now we're in total cruise control as we yeah. This game off to the, the the latter part of the, the match. But I mean, also, I don't know, like this is something I also, this actually, I also put a little side note on this thing. With Jorginho coming on, do you think that was the right decision? Because, I mean, Odegaard had control of that game by, you know, based on the passing and, and ball control and holding the ball up. Did you think that was the wise decision? No, you know what, when that red card happened, first of all, I did that Mourinho handshake to myself. You know, when he shook everybody's hands next to him and you know the result is done. I kind of said the game is done. And then he brings Jorginho on like for Odegaard. Like, why in this type of situation do you stop attacking Fulham and invite pressure on yourself? Because that's that's what we did. And if you wanted to bring Jorginho on, then maybe take off, you know, somebody else, that, that, that like a, a, a Martinelli maybe or... Or, or Saka, and you kind of go with almost like a flat midfield, and then you kind of then play with that, but don't take Odegaard off, who was kind of also one of your main creators who, who, who makes things happen, you know, because at any point you can concede a goal and you need to change things around again, and then you almost sitting like Man City did against Real Madrid, not last season, the season before, where they had a lead. And then Real Madrid, I think, took them to extra time, but they, but but um, Pep took all his attacking players off basically, and that's what we did now. Almost taking Jorginho off, I mean, bringing Jorginho on now, trying to almost play for that two-one win. Yeah. So I mean, I just have a minute. Uh, Reed ends up swinging a corner. Uh, Arsenal looked totally asleep, like from the time the ball comes into the box, and by the time the ball breaks for Paulinho. He ends up stealing in, sweeping in with a low drive. And I mean, the ball goes through a load of bodies and pass Ramsdale, and it's 2 2. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like, I was in absolute shock. And I mean, I'm like looking in, like hoping VAR could bail us out or something. And then I was like, ah. Oh. I was like, you just took off Odegaard now. Now you have to chase this game once again. And what was the 93rd, 94th minute when Traore ends up bursting down the flank? And I'm thinking, oh, we're not going to lose it all right here. Like, and I mean, and Ram- I also thought Ramza stands up, you know, steadfast and he gets smacked with the ball in the face. But I mean, my God, what a save. Yeah, that, that probably earns his spot for, for the game against Man United. And 
you know, we just couldn't um, take this um, to get the winner. But once again, you know, the Emirates has, has been a place of late where there's so much drama in our home games that I feel stressed out after every home game we play almost. Like, I mean, if you think of last season's um, results, uh, Arsenal... I mean, there was that United game that you probably, you know, were stressed till the last minute, born with. Southampton took you to the, that 3-3 draw took you almost, you know, your body probably felt lame after that. Yeah. Even when you played Aston Villa at home, um, it was, you name it, our home ground has become such a nerve. Even though the atmosphere was notoriously good, apparently it's you now starting to become not as a cauldron as it once was. But I mean... You know, the home ground is becoming a place where teams feel that they at least are going to get a goal. You know, and then, you know, regardless of what the scoreline is, you know, whether you concede a goal, you know, at 0-0, 1-0 up leading or 2-0 up leading, it puts unnecessary nerves on you. And, you know, that, that's another side note that I want to bring up now because Gunnar Block was saying the other day in, in, in his own uh, video casting it on, on YouTube or on Oz blog when he was with uh, d- discussing this uh, Fulham match. And he also said, like, you know, until Arsenal start con- conceding less at the Emirates, we can't really be taking a serious title contenders because it shows we've learned nothing from last, se- last season. And we're still, we're still making persistent errors like that, leading to results like this that happened last week. Yeah, no, like, if you look at our results last season, almost every game at home, you'll see, you know, a, a goal conceded, which is, you know, frustrating because, I mean, we shouldn't be conceding at home. I mean, almost every game, just looking at last season's home fixes, I mean, almost every game has a has a, um, has a goal next week. I mean, that game against Brentford, yes, it was an offside goal, but, you know, that was two points dropped because of the goal you concede, you throw 1-1. Instead of winning 1-0, I mean, Southampton, you can't see three goals. Instead of that big, you know, 3-0, 3-1, 3-2, it's it's actually quite frustrating. And it's like when, when we tend to see our games, like to, to know at the Emirates, there's always one moment where somebody, whether it's goalkeeper, one of the defence, or in the midfield, when they have that lapse, and uh, like, uh, like a shot comes out of nowhere and it's in, and it's like the clean sheet gone. Yeah, we, we, we struggle to keep a clean sheet at, at home. And it's, 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 it's weird. Like, if you look at last season, I don't know, I know, you, know, you don't want to compare to City. But, you know, you, you got Arsenal's goals against is 43. City's is 33. Now, if you look at that gap, obviously they score more than us. But, I mean, how much of that goals over there, that difference, was us conceding goals at home? I mean, you could probably say... Immediately, the three against Southampton, that's three, um, two against Liverpool, two against United. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, we we, we are weak at home. I don't know what it is. You know, is it like what, what, like what is it actually that's making us so vulnerable at home? But when we're away from home, we we comfortable, we can see out the 1 0 result. I don't know, I just think that's it's. Something that's in the like, mindset because sometimes it's like when you hear the talk, okay, sometimes with the say, oh, yeah, we should have had three, four, five, and then sometimes you hear him again say something like, I think the two or three goals would have been enough, at, like say in the 31 or whatever. 
And yet, when you when you listen now to, um, I think I told you this in the uh, summer or in the off season, where uh, when we were talking on on Manu TV about um, Sir Alex Ferguson, and he would say he don't care if you're gonna ruin somebody's mental state or whatever, but he said if you can keep on putting that ball in the back of the net. Where you almost like you showing that you are the boss of that your domain and that that pitches your arena to to perform more like a gladiator when he dispatches the enemy or whatever. That is the way you go about things. But it's like we like a cat with a mouse and the mouse ends up uh, you know flummoxing us and escaping. And that is not us. Whereas United have had the the paw on the throat already and just slowly letting all the air out. Because I mean, yeah. like, we 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 toy too much with the, with the with the opposition. No, we do. I mean, we saw it last season. Two 0 up at Anfield. You know, you 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 toying with it. Two 0 up against West Ham. You know, it's, it's like they almost go into a complete shutdown and think, okay, we're going to see this result out now. It, it doesn't work like that. You need to, you know, bury the team. If you can score three 0 at Anfield before halftime, you know, do it. I mean. Because for me, yeah, the very oh. thing that, that Zinchenko didn't also in the game, that was more like literally baiting the opponent when you, uh, look there, the opponent is chasing the game and uh, you all you have to do is just hold on for the three points. But he was like doing all that sort of, sort of things like baiting the player into tackles and that. And by the time he ends up getting out muscle, uh, out muscle, he panics, he fouls the guy and that corner leads to the, um, free kick leads to the corner, the corner leads to the goal. Yeah. So, so we was against Southampton where we did something similar with Zinchenko also, you know, even party kind of led to that third goal to make it three one for them. I mean, oh it's I don't know. I I, I don't know what, what to say. But I mean we we are far too open at home and you know it's it's almost like I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like going into this United game, yes, I want to feel confident, but because they're not playing the best, best um, football as well. But you know, neither are we. You know, we're going into this game against United, not, you know, not knowing what our best eleven is. I mean, Declan Rice for me has been probably the most consistent player from. From all our guys at the moment, he's like trying to tackle, he's trying to get us going forward, but it just seems like he's not getting the proper support around him. And I mean, I from like my personal opinion of, of seeing Thomas party in the right back position, it's like you're seeing a, a sort of um, you know, a midfield beast who's being almost like just kept shackled on the sideline because you're not getting the true you're not getting the true potential out of him, and as you said. He needs that sort of space to, to dominate fields. I mean, that's how you saw him play for Atletico and whatever. You don't see him do stuff like this now, like whether it's for Ghana or for Atletico. But now he at Arsenal now. I don't know what they're trying to transform him into. It's not I also don't know. He's, a, he's, he's, not, he's, a, he's not a young player like Ben White. He's Thomas Part is probably eating close to 30 now. And I mean, you try, yeah. to, try to play a right back. You're isolating him sometimes one-on-one against... Spicy wingers. Yeah. Thomas Party likes getting you in the center of the park where you have to go left or right. You know, these wingers are very tricky compared to, you know, we're playing up against a central midfield player. And like I said, you have two 
midfield is who can dominate the midfield in Declan Rice and Thomas Partey because Declan Rice has the legs. I mean, you've seen him, you know, chase down players, get from A to B, but now you, you're putting Thomas Partey as a right back against now, maybe against a Marcus Rashford yeah, who, who's, who's going to be playing for United. And now that is his position that he likes to start at. He comes in from the wing again, wanting to get inside. Yeah, I mean, Ben White struggled against him last season. Like, very much so that they had to bring in Tommy Yasu. But yeah. now, like, Oteta wants to use Tommy Yasu as a left back. Yeah, strange decisions. Uh, now we move our attention now to Arsenal Man United tomorrow. As an old classic, or our old classical, which only still has that edge to it. And I mean, I think with regards to injuries, uh, I think with us, it's only Timber and Aldini, like the long term ones. Whereas United have got, like, for tomorrow's match, Luke Shaw out, Mount is out, Varana's out. And then I mean, doubts with that Toyland. I mean, they might risk him tomorrow, but still, I mean, there's a lot of places. Because even though, look, they've made a trolley dash at the end now, United. I just wonder how, but, yeah, but how many of them are actually going to be you know, ready? Because look, you don't want to rush somebody into a sort of tactic they've never played before. They're not so sh- like, if the dealer's done on uh, su- uh, such uh, short notice. Yeah, it's it's a bit... I, I don't know. United always seem to just up their game against us. And, and, and you know, it's, yeah. even though we've made the Emirates of Fortress against them of late, you know, I think a victory for Arsenal and you kind of, you know, feeling a bit more, I don't know, if Arsenal pick up the result tomorrow, you kind of feel a bit more upbeat and say, okay, you know what, you know, it's just a blip and you go into the international break, you know, kind of on a high, you know, thinking, you know, last time we went into the international break, you know, we lost to Man United, although we picked up. We played more games and we picked up, I think, 15 points out of a possible 18. And now, you know, going into the national break, you kind of pick up, what, nine points out of a possible, or 10 points out of a possible 12. So only two points dropped, but, you know, you played three home games, which, you know, you should have maximum points there. And, you know, I think when we come back, not to want to go too far ahead, but when we do come back, you know, from um, the international break, you kind of have... You know, a tough run of fixtures, which you kind of see yourself playing. Um, if I can just go to it quickly, you kind of see yourself playing Everton, Tottenham, who Tottenham's been playing well, Bournemouth, City, Chelsea, Sheffield United, and Newcastle. So it's going to be a tough patch of games. But, you know, this game against United, like, I mean, can you imagine a draw at the Emirates, how you would feel? Or defeated the Emirates, and now you're going into the international break, not not feeling good. Or I don't know how you would feel if we pick up a draw or a defeat tomorrow. Like, do you feel that you know the season's then about kind of chasing the top four, or do you still see Arsenal in a title race if we you know United no, no. pick up all three points? No, no, I just think Arsenal fans also getting a bit. Too hasty with with decisions like with making that sort of because I mean I mean I'm not trying to trying to to ever go with you now because I've heard a lot of Arsenal fans going down that same path of uh, like that sort of talk and I just think it was that's it's way way too far fetched because 
the season's almost like just started. We're almost like just about getting to the, the, the you know second month now. And I mean, it's like what the the, the what's it, fourth game we're about to play. So I mean, I just think people are getting a bit too hasty, whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's because of the, the I think the Arsenal fan base. The idea is more. We've spent X amount of million, like X millions on, on players. So they're going to have to just click and gel because it must just work immediately. And I just think to myself, for me, it's going to be a process where you've got over enough time now to fix this uh, this issue. Because I mean, I'm not going to get like, carried away and go, oh, yeah, that, uh, we, you know, we're going to chase the top four. Anything can happen because right now we're still on top of the league. And I mean, you can't even make it through judgment of the league. Uh, form yet until you know you good few months into the season. So I just think everyone was just want to kind of calm down, have a drink or whatever, and let things play out because I think that everything will start molding itself into place in the coming weeks. You'll see, after, especially after the international break as well. Uh, oh, the Western fans were, were singing last night. Are oh, you watching Declan and Ice? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a, it's a good time for Arsenal to kind of. You know, I think tomorrow's a an important game in terms of you know if Arsenal go out there, you know I'm not saying we obviously the three points no matter how you get it is important, but you know if we kind of I don't even remember that performance I think it was the 15-16 season where we just smashed United three 0 in the first was it 20-25 minutes? If we can like put a performance like that and you kind of dominate the United and you know you they like. You know, almost walking for the tail between their legs. You kind of then are are kind of more but upbeat of the performances. But I mean, do you go and throw cover Kayavat in the starting lineup again, or do you go with a normal, you know, Ben White, Gabriel, Saliba, um, Zinchenko, Party, Rice, Odegaard, and then your front three? Do you do you go with do you start Jesus over Ketia, or do you give Ketia the nod? And then Saka Martinelli or Trossard, Saka and and Nketiah. How do you how do you what would your team be? I think I would have to go traditional, like the back four. I mean, look, look at the depends. Do you go white or do you go uh, Tommy? I saw it's right back, but I mean, as I said, with the whole flow of the game and and, and combos, you know, the personal combos on the on the pitch, Saka and White have a decent. The reading of the game of each other or play also. Yeah. Also, as I or as you said earlier on, you let party and, and Declan Rice be the almost like the, the security men or whatever, but the depth yeah. is yeah. at midfield. Because then you know party don't need to use whatever sprinting strength while uh, Rice is there to do that. You then you got the creative player in Odegaard. He's in a problem like link all those little chains together on the pitch when you play. You've got Saliba. Gabriel, you know, marshalling that defence. Then you've got Zinchenko, who is a natural in that that inverted left-back. So if we do revert that way, go that way, then you want to do that. Because I think United are still very, very vulnerable. I mean, you saw against yeah. Forrest, it took like, what, four minutes for Forrest to go 2 nil up against them. Because I think they, they do get shell-shocked if you come fast at them. But the thing is, we should just not let up. That's the only problem I find again with us. We let up quickly, you know, taking our foot off the throat. That is our problem. But other than that, that front three, I would go. Um, I just think with often get their score up for England also. I think he's flying at the moment mentally. Yeah. So that is why I'd let him spear the attack. And then, of course, you've got Martinelli, 
we probably would have a field day against he was playing fullback on that side for United. And I mean, uh, Saka, since they're not 100% sure who's going to be the uh, left back. Because I mean, Cucurella, uh, not Cucurella, was it Regulon? Was now the, uh, the alternate left back has come in. And I mean, even when you watch him play for Spurs, whatever, he never looked sure of himself when he played. So I'm quite confident in the game. So, you know, let's see how things play out. Yeah, no, uh, I I do think we if Arteta goes, like a perfect example, he said, you know, you can allow party to, to kind of do his game because Tekken Rice like, is a guy that can be anywhere in the field. He's still young, he can do that. And if you put Declan Rice and Thomas Party against, you know, Bruno Fernandes, you know, I'm sure they will be able to dominate him. Casemiro is getting older. So I think Declan Rice will fancy himself against Casemiro. And, you know, whether it's Ericsson or Amrabat, where they start at, at in the, I mean, it would be a, okay. Amrabat did play kind of for, for, for Watford, um, but that was a, a while back. But do you throw Amrabat in, you know, in the Premier League game, which is going to be a very high tempo game, or, or is he going to throw Christian Eriksen in, which I feel, you know, Arsenal's midfield can get the better of United midfield. But if, if Arteta decides that Kai Abbott is his man, you know, we could. We could be a bit frustrated tomorrow. Yeah, but I mean, that's what I said. That is his sort to fall on because many Arsenal fans they have a total different idea to how they want the squad to be looking like. And then if he's going to keep on almost like trying to accommodate Havertz, because for me, rather get Havertz a bit out of the firing line because he's been in yeah. all of media and whatever. Just get him out of the firing line, let him have a cameo appear and something like that. Yeah, I know. He needs to have a game, you know, maybe like a Carabao Cup game where he can find, you know, his feet or or kind of a, um, even if it's a Champions League game at the Emirates where we uh, you can you can dominate the game or, yeah. or, 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 you know, playing against a Luton or not disrespectfully, but he just needs a game to find his feet, you know, because, you know, in all fairness, I know we people are, 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 are on his case. I mean, I'm even frustrated at him. But at Chelsea, he wasn't near playing as a number eight or a centre mid role, you know. So he had to be doing that for three, four years. And even the people say, yeah, he's been in the Premier League. Yes, he has been in the Premier League, but he's been across the front lines or as a, like a second striker. So we're asking him to play a new position in the Premier League. So, you know, let's see how that goes. But also, Arteta shouldn't try to force it now. Give it a break. Go with the conventional formation and, you know, let's see what happens. So now before we end off, I just have a few talking points in regards to the transfer windows. Um, I mean, look, things happened very fast in the last, like, three to four days. Uh, Kieran Tierney moving on to Real Sociedad on loan. Rob Holding going for four million to Crystal Palace. Lakonga going to uh, Luton Town for, I think, a season-long loan. With Nuno Tavares, I think he's doing a... Three million pound loan to Forest with the option the next season for a twelve million buyout, and then Marquinhos has gone to none for the season. So what's your take on that to the exit? I mean, I think that for me, that I'm actually just sad with regards to TNE, the way that played out because I mean it was more like he was more like the heart and soul of the club. Also, when you see him, you know, on those cold winter days with his t-shirt and shorts and that inter- yeah. I'm sad about the TNE thing as well because it happened so quick. But like, it's it's amazing how like 
a player like T- you know Tierney, if you go back, you know, not last season, but the past two seasons, like oh, prior to that, like he was the kind of guy you would say, like, you know, maybe this could be the captain because I mean he was rallying the troops and no matter the score line, you know, he was he was there and there about, you know, putting his soul, heart and soul on the line and yeah, yeah. it's almost like 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 now, you know, it's it's you know I do see him even getting back into the side and now we don't have a, another left back um, to cover for Zinchenko unless you're going to play Tomiyasu left back where he doesn't look comfortable all the time. It's like Oteta is obsessed with playing this in, inverted left back and this and that and it's, you know, holding to Palace, you know, happy for holding. I mean, he's, even though he's been frustrating, like, you know, I got annoyed with him last season. You know, there were times where the guy was, you know, Mr. Arsenal, and I think before he's was it his ACL that he did or yeah. against United. It was against United at the two two draw. But you know, he was probably the first name as centre back I had in that season under the first season of Emre, where he was actually, you know, you could see the improvement, but it's almost like that injury just you know, he, he probably lost a bit of speed. And he wasn't the fastest player. Um, Tavares, Tavares, I think, um, you know, could have had a could have been a good player for us this season, especially with Zinchenko being gone. But I just feel like his attitude kind of cost him, and probably will cost him his Arsenal career. I'm not sure how you feel about uh, Tavares going. You do you think he could come back into the squad again? No, I just think I think bridges were already burned in in uh, that end of when you think of that all or nothing thing. Yeah, you could already see that the bridges were burned, and then also like when that loan thing got pushed the pre like the season after, you could actually see the minute, and also the way things were happening. Look when he went to Marseille, also first it was everything was uh, looking rosy and that, and then afterwards all of a sudden came that whole thing where. Uh, I don't know, maybe that the ego thing of his came forward where he almost like thought he was too too good for that squad and whatever, and then he got kicked out of that team as well. So, uh, oh, but I, I, I didn't know that happened. Did yeah, you know that, that team as well. Yeah, that's the latter part of that season. They played without him. I mean, they just gave him a credit end of the season for the way they, they uh, you know, they you know fought through the campaign or whatever, but. That was it. There was no, you know, almost like a golden handshake or whatever. They just wanted to get rid of him after that. Oh, well, I never knew. I just, I never, I never really followed his loan move. And, and then, yeah, what I wanted to ask you was, um, that Nicolas Pepe, do you oh, think he could... Nah, the, the, from what I had, the last few things I've heard, they're going to have his contract uh, dissolved. He's oh. just like, Probably just aimlessly go away, even to the French leagues or something. I mean, I think uh, that's a pity. I think he was more holding out now for a Saudi offer and, and, and never came. And that is just a bit of a pity because I mean, you know, when he was when he was on song, he could have been a very dangerous player in this current Arsenal side. Whereas you know, you could use him to be a understudy for for Saka. If, yeah. if you know you, you can say even though he's older than Saka, but I mean, if Nicolas Pepe felt valued or something like that, and, and I think in this side, he would be playing with less pressure because you know, almost under that his first season under Emre and Arteta, it's almost like 
He was supposed to be one of the linchpins. But now if you throw him in this Arsenal side with, you know, almost nothing to lose, basically, you can have a player that, you know, if his attitude right, look, I don't know what goes behind closed doors, but mm-hmm. let's say he, like, kind of says, like, you know what, give me the season, you know, to, to maybe play out of my skin for for a contract next season for, you know, elsewhere. But you have maybe a guy that says, you know, I want to work and let me just see where I can help out. But, you know, if he is a guy that sulks and, you know, he's a rotten apple, then yes, all all good and well dissolve his contract. But if he is somebody that, you know, wants to make a difference, I mean, you could use him, whether it is a guy coming on with, you know, 15, 10 minutes to go or to kind of give Saka a rest. I don't know how you see that. I mean, I, I, mean, I was just telling my, my boys the other day also when I said... Sometimes it's like when you look at it, someone like Pepe. I mean, I'm not blaming other player and whatever, but I, I really think Arsenal got the, the wool pulled over the eyes with the whole deal because I think you we were probably looking at a player that's like between 15 and 20 million tops. Huh? And the way things were, were happening, you know, behind the scenes or under the table type of thing, since they knew almost like Arsenal were desperate for, for a player and like a, a glamour signing, they knew like since he was now a player that was on, on peak of his form at, at uh, at Lille in that, that, that uh, championship season. And I just think to myself, that's where they, because when, when I asked for the number also, because I think, I'm not sure if you messaged it to me at the time when it was happening, and I thought 72 million, because that was so, uh, you know, uh, like, especially as Arsenal fans, for me, it was like a very far fetched number because we were always in that bracket of the 50 million, you know, that type of thing. And then for, you, for us to then see this guy come, like, and I don't know, maybe also his, his introvert personality was also not helping you much. But I just think, I mean, like, what, what you were saying earlier, it's not like this, this sort of game, like when he takes against United, it's not like he used to always have United's number when they would play them. Yes. For some reason, I don't know why, but... He used to have the number. Like, well, I mean, he might not say, like, I mean, I remember he scored in that, when he played the first time. But I just think like, he was always difficult for their fullbacks to deal with. Yeah, because he has a lot of pace on him, and he, he is a, a tricky player. And like that, that that season where we ended was at seventh, or we just missed out on Conference League or something like that. He actually scored at that that latter part of the season. He was very dangerous at getting goals, making himself difficult to play with. So, you know, you have maybe somebody that you know, even if we keep him on the books, but I mean, his massive wages. But I mean. You know, you, you you have a player that, you know, Saka maybe picks up an injury or you can rest Saka because, you know, I even heard like, you know, Arsenal maybe one Saka injury away of, of, you know, being in trouble. But you could say the same with City, you know, Ireland gets injured, then what? Yeah. So, Aiden, that's it for the podcast. Um, anything else to say because we're like, based on tomorrow's match before we kick out? Yeah, I just hope, you know, we, performance is up and we kind of, you know, blow United away and kind of show that, you know, we, we were no fluke. Yeah, because I mean, I fully agree because I just want us to go full power at them tomorrow, like, you know, blow them out of the water and then control the game. Yeah, that's, I think that's that, perfect. The only time we ever take risks then is when, when, when United sacrifice to many going forward and eat him on the break, just using our raw pace. But other than that, don't take, like, you know, go into a three, whatever type of uh, three-goal lead or whatever, and then you let them almost, like, really open up. 
so that you can have pick, so, you know, you get cherry pick when you want to uh, counter attack them. No? Yeah, I would like to, to to shut United fans up because I mean, if they get the the, the result tomorrow, you know, I think they're going to be very noisy and you yeah. know, and I think Arsenal fan base will you know turn from being you know happy and and and, and excited for the season to toxic very quickly. Yeah. Okay, guys, take care. Enjoy the match tomorrow. Bye. Enjoy, guys.